welcome to this episode of Takumi Unfiltered. I am your host, Mary Keen Dawson, Group CEO of Creators with Influencer Agency, Takumi. Join us as we sit down with the entrepreneurs and business leaders to take an unfiltered look at the issues and hot topics that marketeers, creators, and all of society must consider today. Let's go. This afternoon, I'm joined by John Zweig, a wonderful friend and former colleague of mine at WPP and now Global Chief Executive at Neuro Insight. As Neuro Insight's global CEO, John brings a lifelong commitment to discovering meaning in human motivation and adding value in creative communication. John spent most of his career at WPP, where he was responsible for acquiring and leading 60-some marketing services companies specialised by industry, discipline and audience, including branding and identity, digital and relationship marketing, as well as ethnic and demographic marketing, and in fact, a company that I used to run, which was an influent entertainment specialist. So I want to welcome you, John, to the Takumi Unfiltered podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. And I'm so excited uh, to talk to you this afternoon. So I took something off your website uh, this morning, and it was a quote by Emerson, which says, what lies behind you and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. I would really love for you to talk about um, yourself a little bit and give us an introduction because I think that quote really resonated with me and the relationship that I've had with you for the, all of these years. And I just wondered what you'd share with our listeners as a kind of like a bit of a mini bio about John Zweig. Oh, I couldn't introduce myself any better than you did or, or that Emerson did. I should, just say, I should just say that I'm the lucky guy who got to meet and work with the remarkable, brilliant, indefatigable, Mary Keen Dawson all those many years ago. <laughs> but That's I mean, crazy. it is true that my my uh, life and, and career have been both um, varied and I would say characterized by just remarkable good fortune. I mean, I've just had a, a little taste of everything. And if there is a common theme, it's contained in the quote that you read from Emerson. I was kind of a smart ass little kid, but I had these great one parents who were open and liberal. And I always felt, um, I guess, enough security to look for opportunity and humor in almost everything. So I had this amazing experience as a, as a young professional musician, you know, getting gigs really by default, because I was one of the few guitar players in, in, in town and at that time who could read music. Now there are thousands, millions. And I also had this, this great group of jazz musicians who were both very funny and smart, and they kind of took me under their wing and, and showed me the ropes. And, uh, you know, honestly, you could say I was less luckily fortunate to have been drafted during the Vietnam War, but where I served in country, but I wouldn't trade that experience for anything either. The experience, you know, including being scared out of my wits and, and learning to overcome that fear. And the last phase, I, 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 if you can believe it, given the timeliness and how long ago it was, I ran seminars in race relations. 
So everything in everything in the military is an acronym. This was this was the upward seminar, understanding personal worth and racial dignity. And let's face it, this is um, you know this this kind of led me to the presenting skill, and I um, probably have lived off of that for a long time. I mean, I had some success uh, on the creative side of the business at the beginning. I was a writer briefly at BBDO. Uh, and then I worked for a few years with my really amazing father, who was kind of a self-educated scholar of ancient wisdom, religion, mythology, depth psychology. Um, then I got to be a brand manager at P&G and then a few decades uh, at WPP, the highlight of which, as I say, was probably meeting you. <laughs> and, and in the meantime, I, I had this fabulous family and a yes. son I'm very proud of, and, and thanks to WPP, uh, you know, honestly, a rich pool of other friends and supporters and colleagues. But as far as neuroinsight, I guess at, at the time when I probably should have gone off to the jazz club, a friend of mine at the time, Bert Manning, who was um, CEO of the late J. J. Walter Thompson. I don't know what it's called now. I'm sure it has at least five other initials. <laughs> And some kind of a digital or company, you know, hybrided onto it. But I met this fellow through Bert, who was a remarkable neuroscientist, Richard Silberstein. And, and he invented this technology for measuring the second by second brain response to film, music, commercials. And um, I had helped Richard earlier recruit this brilliant and charismatic guy to run the U.S. business, whom you've met, Pranav yeah, Yadav. Pranav. He gets almost as much press as you. And um, he's he, a lot of it came from being amongst the Forbes 30 under 30. So if there is a Forbes 30 over 30, that would be you, Mary, at the top of the list. Yeah. Anyway, so th this is the fellow who you probably should be interviewing. But I, I, once again, I'm just lucky to be able to work with these fabulous characters and to do what, you might ask, mm. to make the unconscious conscious. So um, what does that mean in practical well, terms? What does it mean? But also, why is it important, do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, the idea, the value is of uncovering deeper insights is to strengthen decisions and actions and improve results. And in broader terms, making the unconscious conscious, as I said, it's kind of the theme that ran through my whole musical military, creative, business, and nonprofit um, world. You know, in the context of advertising and marketing, it's important because inarguably 90% or more of our decision-making occurs at the unconscious level. Yet all the testing marketers do is, is where? It's at the conscious level. So, you know, NeuroInsight addresses something that the whole marketing culture really suffers, at least in my view, we're, and in my career, we're addicted to data and analytics. We're addicted to causality, mm. to logical consistency, um, to predictability or certainty. And I always say, Mary, that I'm sure I've said it to you, embedded in our nervous system is a mystery that just refuses to cooperate mm -hmm, with that addiction. Mm -hmm. And NeuroInsight helps access, you know, a piece of that mystery. And, you know, in, in business terms, it's this hidden reservoir of human motivation. 
and I guess in data mining terms, you could really call it the Klondike because it mm. goes neglected because we only live and work in this tiny little narrow band of the spectrum. Yet there's so much more going on. It's so interesting. I mean, when you're talking about the context, within the context of your journey, um, you know, your your time in Vietnam and what you learned there. And, and I mean, this thing about fear, for example, is, you know, and, and the fact that you are fearless. And yet we work in an industry which, you know, frequently everything is about trying to protect ourselves from right. exposure and from risk. And I think that this kind of growth we have seen in, you know, the, the language even of the industry just being about impressions and attribution, the kind of just the journey, you know, that every single touch point that we have with the consumer, we have to kind of have a really kind of clear understanding, which is inevitably always understood as being num numerical as opposed to right. emotional, right? And I think, you know, but one of the things that I think is exciting right now, and we've talked about this, is that this kind of conjunction if you like or intersection between technology and human creativity i believe is definitely on an in an upward direction and i just wondered whether seeing as we have known each other an awfully long time you know do you think that things can change for the better or <laughs> are you seeing are you still feeling that you know the kind of oppression through this constant referencing of data and analytics and rather than kind of like connection because it's almost an either or isn't it yeah well <laughs> mary you the truth is that your listeners would be better served if i just interviewed you on this question <laughs> so let's make that let's make that date i'm not even sure what the advertising industry you know is anymore to be mm -hmm. honest mm -hmm. you know it, maybe there is something that has changed um, for the better and you know, Takumi is a case in point. I think I think the industry has maybe woken up to the fact that marketing is not a separate profession mm. or a department in the organization or, or a, within a company or an institution for that matter. Marketing is really, I mean, this is not an original thought, but marketing is everything, you know, mm. from the consumer's point of view. And we've created all of these false dichotomies and separations, you know, hire me a marketing man, you know, mm, get a Madison yeah. Avenue agency, change my logo, we'll put in a new website, hire a PR company, you know, and then the push the buttons and the torpedoes don't go off. Mm. I, I mean, I really think that all of these silos, labels, disciplines, jargon are false. And they fight with our, our need as creative people to deal with, I would say, coherent holes rather than specialization or fragments that get mm. so so small that they slip through one's fingers. Now, you know, technology can either unify or it can further segregate and divide. You know, as I yep. always say, yep. thanks to technology, we have now we have garbage at the speed of light. <laughs> but, you know, I, it's more to me, honestly, it's the problems are more brought on by this, this point that you made and I reinforced on this empiric, rational, mm -hmm. and that has gotten worse. We've crowded out um, the most important things, you know, our, who are we, our connection with other people or nature or, um, you know, we worship money, status, power, celebrity. But I think that's really interesting because I think that that is true. But I also, and I think this is a really significant change that's happening, 
and I personally would say this is what's driving the import of these macro influencers and creators that we work with yeah. is that they are making human connection because people curate their feeds. They, you know, they follow people they like. I mean, I, you know, I actually had a conversation yesterday with a client about a financial, you know, complaint, um, sort of disseminating the complexity of their financial services products and how they use creators and influencers on YouTube to do that and also on podcasts. And we were just discussing what was going on there. Why is that happening? Why aren't they talking to the traditionally you would go to the, the financial guy, right? You'd go to the, the broker, you'd go to the specialist. But it's because they like these people <laughs> and they trust them. I mean, it's yeah. really that simple. And yet they, you know, there's a, there is this almost friction with, you know, they're not experts, yeah. but are they experts? Yeah. I mean, what makes right. them, how do we define expertise anymore? I mean, I'd be really yeah. interested in exploring your thoughts on that because you're, I mean, you're an amazing guitarist. I mean, I've been yeah, fortunate yeah, enough yeah. to, you were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, that's not something that you just pick up. <laughs> it's something you have to work really hard at. And the other return of that is that you become really good and you really enjoy what you're doing. But we're seeing the emergence of a different type of specialist, a different type of exponent of art and music and also right. knowledge. And I just wondered yeah. what you think of what your thoughts are around that. Well, I think it's a I think it's a fabulous observation, other than I don't wouldn't consider it a new phenomenon necessarily. Certainly you know, this, I, I mentioned working with my amazing father, you know, this guy was a, you know, he was a true scholar. And when it came to religion, mythology, depth psychology, even quantum physics, he, you know, he knew more and could put it all together and present it more convincingly. You know, he couldn't write really, but speak spontaneously, mm. you know, in a, a incredible motivating fashion. And I think those characters have already always been around. And as you say, one mm. of the things that a platform like yours and a business like yours really does that's hugely positive is it gives, you know, gives them a stage. Yeah. And I don't think that there's, yes, I think there is such a thing as mastery that cannot be, um, you know, sh you shortcut, uh, you know, like, like so many people, frankly, do try to do you know, with one hoax or trick or another. But if what you say is really true, and I trust you, and mm. that those people are connecting with others because they imbue trust, and that's the foundation of everything. Mm. And then, of course, to the degree that there's mutual trust, then you can really exchange information or communicate. And then when you can communicate, you can have a shared goal of some kind. And when you have a shared goal, then you can collaborate and make something happen. And, you know, I think that the, the relationship piece of this, which you're emphasizing, is critical to all of it. And if there's anything that, that the WPPs of the world failed colossally to do, it's to understand that collaboration doesn't come with a financial incentive or an edict from on high, but requires that same that same sequence of steps, creating trust and acceptance and communicating and having a shared goal, more than just making money, by the way. No, I agreed. I agreed. I think that the, the kind of focus on just being bigger and fatter and more 
profitable than anybody else in the world is a completely redundant (laughs) and meaningless ambition i think ambition in our industry or in the is it should be about kind of making the place the the world a better place you know actually doing something you know that's constructive and creative making change a reality so that we can actually you know address this burning planet and also the burning platforms of racism for example and sexism that we've you know we talk about but we we seem very reluctant to actually make change stick and i think that this is where to your point about the fact that marketing is everything it is because it is about cultural moments it's it's about cultural creation and it's also about the culture in which you you develop and toxicity which is alive and well and and kicking around most of the big opcos and and a lot of the bigger clients you know that's just a destructive it's a force for destruction and and it needs to be addressed and i from the point of view i think we have an opportunity right now but i think you're right the change has to take place really at that fundamental level of of not celebrating continuous growth for growth's sake that caring capitalism capitalism with a conscience whatever you want to call it i still think that there's a lot of work to be done in that department and (laughs) and we want to be part of the change to making that you know the case but look i i i do think that you know given that you've had such an incredible career i i feel it's fair and when you're probably going to think it's very unfair of me to ask you you know do you see relevancy for the creative and strategic comms you know sherpa as i've described them but businesses do we have relevance in the age of this new normal because you know the pandemic we hope is coming to an end does the world for you look going forward look look any different do you see a, a change in the industry or do you see something else <laughs> well i mean everything is always changing but you know to you know just thinking about your first question and i like this this term um what did you call it a creative or strategic sherpa yeah and i think if you if relative to to you know, to the, to the relevance of that in a time like that. Again, I think it's timeless. I mean, um, it's a leadership issue and, and tribes do need chiefs, but they also need shaman, right? Yep. You know, I mean, maybe the way to think about the essential role of, of these um, Sherpa is, is that. Yeah. And, and because there's magic and power and genius in communication that often just does not reside in those stultifying structures and environments. And, you know, the, the, you could say that the same structures and environments and business models and incentives that created this mess are not likely to help us work our way out of it. So, you know, who are the new prophets of, of creativity or the new revolutionaries? I mean, maybe they're they're the, they're the people who you are identifying who otherwise would go unnoticed. I mean, personally, I doubt that the answer lies in AI, ML, data and analytics, as I'm constantly being uh, <laughs> you know, told. But, you know, it just it, it is a question of leadership. And, uh, you know, what you described um, that, you know, greed growth for its own sake. I mean, that's a pandemic. And, you know, of course, we have the real pandemic. And there's terrible polarization and climate change and social injustice. And where are the leaders? You know, we look at our big um, 
corporate experience. And I, you know, to be blunt, I'd have to say it's mostly a lot of sheep, you know, following the rear end of the one in front of them. I, I call it the bland leading the bland. <laughs> <laughs> but we've also got plenty of pigs out there. You know, you referred to them. And they're just, you know, they're just trying to consume or eat up everything in sight. But, you know, we've also experienced, you know, kind of lurking, forgive the, the barnyard metaphors here, but lurking on the sidelines, you know, feeding off the pigs and the sheep are the wolves, you know, mm. predators looking to just further concentrate their power over people. And what you're talking about, and I think what you, you are personally all about that I always admired is about the power, not the power over so much, but the power to. And, you know, with creativity, we have the power to, to become and to help and to persist. And your own life and career char- uh, characterizes this. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm being sincere, you know. And we need more heroes like you and fewer, <laughs> fewer sheeps, pigs and wolves. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you didn't dis- you didn't use a, a farmyard metaphor to describe me, but I suppose uh, <laughs> I could you're be. You're the golden-haired lioness, <laughs> I've uh, said before. Yes, 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 of course I am. Look, I think that you, what you're talking about is very interesting, but I think it also points us to the fact that when we do start to describe the world that we're living in, it can be very overwhelming. You know, if you start yeah. thinking about all of the problems that the world has right now and society at large, it, it can be very overwhelming. And one of the things that I've be always massively, you know, impressed me, especially because you were and are, you know, such a significant uh, leader and inspiration to so many, including myself, is you've always spoken very openly about spirituality and self-awareness and your connection to, you know, to nature and to, you know, to the world. <laughs> and I wondered if you could maybe give us some thoughts around why that has always been so important to you. Because for me, you know, by talking to you and becoming more connected spiritually, it's helped me deal with an awful lot of this basic shit show that we've been living with through for the last little while and i just thought perhaps it'd be really interesting if you perhaps could give us some some sort of thoughts on that yeah well i mean i i think it always comes back mary to the big question of you know who really are we i mean you know let's face it if you think that i'm afraid as many people do that you're born life sucks and then you die Mm. you know it's pretty depressing And, you know, we do have measurable increases in um, anxiety and depression and suicide and failed relationships and substance abuse and stress-induced illnesses. And I'm just talking about the advertising business. You know, but, but, you know, on the other hand, you know, if you're not going to be that, I think the only game in town is to see oneself as a manifestation of whatever that sort of ultimate reality is. God, if you want to call it, totality, nature, Brahma, the oversoul, you know, choose your term that works for you. But the way I've always thought of it is that, you know, there's some kind of primal evolutionary drive that I felt, you know, was always moving within me. And, you know, frankly, was a friendly force that I could call on it. And by accessing that flow, you know, which you could again call making the unconscious conscious and then living you know, with just inexhaustible joy of what life is, as I say, it's, you know, what, what other, practically speaking, what other choice would be, would we make 
you know, to be either shit, as you say, or gods. Take your choice. Take your pick. And so, you know, I, I honestly do believe that this it's this lack of a sense of connection with totality and with each other that's at the root of, of most of our problems. And this, you know, kind of philosophical stuff, as people always referred to it throughout my career, you know, it, it demanded appreciation and respect from me because in my work, I basically believe that it became the cause of the gap between our potential and our performance. And that what we needed were more unifying visions, you know, to understand this complex world so that we can cope with it. And that created trust and commitment to, and it really is about evolution in the sense that it's about continuously transcending the present, you know, for with an informing image of the future. Well, I think we are, you know, <laughs> we seem to be at another one of those moments, right, where there's an opportunity. Are we going to take it? I mean, yeah. there's a G7 conference in the UK in not too distant future. We were just talking about it before we came on air. And yeah. do we think that our leaders, global leaders, you know, the leaders in business, the leaders in politics, the leaders in, you know, in spiritual and are they strong enough? Are they brave enough to make change happen in the way that it seems so urgently now it's required? Yeah. What are your I, thoughts? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, it sounds pessimistic, but, um, you know, the, the positive way of looking at it is that why, while I think that the kind of leaders that you're describing, you know, you name the sector, whether it's in politics or religion or in business, are just so rare. Mm. And it's just as likely that these forces for change are the people who you're working mm. with. Mm. And, um, you know, it's an opportunity because in periods of great change, almost everything is represented, right? You know, mm. And every extreme is represented. And so I think that there, there, there probably is room, therefore, for the, the, the kind of vision and the quality of leadership and motivation and change of our perspective and self-discovery, all the things that you're interested in and spirituality. Maybe there's a greater opportunity now than there ever has been before, certainly in the course of my lifetime. And then it just becomes a question of who will motivate and compel us to seize that opportunity. I personally believe very strongly that the future is in community. And I think that that's where the, the, you know, the mobile phone, because that's what it is, the mobile phone and the, which is the mobile film studio, recording studio, content creation, you know, uh, capability, all of the tools there, you know, that can be invented and therein are living in that mobile phone. Yeah. And I think that our youth have the, you know, they're born to it, you know, and that, that gives them an incredible opportunity to connect with one another, but to connect creatively and also to use that power to yeah. create, you know, new ways of living and how society can work. And I sense that this generation of young millennials and, and Gen Zers, the barriers just don't exist for them. And I celebrate them and, and want to encourage them to continue to be colorblind and, and you know, not give a shit yeah. about what binary, yeah. you know, you, you're identifying with and to just like peacocks <laughs> and continue to make a smile and, you know, and have fun doing it. And I think sure. that 
TikTok generation are, are so, they have so much potential. I just hope the wolves, <laughs> as you describe them, at the periphery don't all gobble them up, you know. And uh, you know, but I think that at, at right now I'm feeling really, really hopeful. And so I want to end on a on a hopeful note <laughs> as well. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, John. Thank you so much for your insights uh the last 30 minutes has just flown by as i knew it would and i want to thank you uh very much for finding the time to do this today oh it's my pleasure and if i can just second your optimistic note i mean after all mary we we we've made it all the way from the swamps to the stars so what makes us think it's all going to stop now Sure. I think, you know, I agreed here, here. I think human creativity is you know, impossible to replicate using AI. I defy anyone out there. <laughs> it's, our you, it's our it's function. It's our function. It is. I mean, like, you know, I always say like a tree converts CO2 to oxygen. You know, a human being, you know, brings forth what is within him or her, you know, back to your quote. And, um, you know, and equally, if we fail to do it, you know, I think what we fail to bring forth probably destroys us. So, yeah, it's a it's an exciting time to revisit the ancient wisdom that in some incredible way is now being confirmed by the newest sciences. Indeed. Thanks again, Mary. (laughs) Thank you, John. And thank you to everybody for joining Takumi Unfiltered. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate and review us. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Takumi HQ. Thank you so very much. Bye bye.